Hey, y'all, this is Mallory Irvin, and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Living Fully. I always say I'm excited about the guests at my table, but I am really excited about the guests sitting at my table right now. I have New York Times bestselling author, podcaster, host of the Rachel Cruz show. I've just given away who it is. Um, Rachel Cruz. She is um, also... I really like this fact about her, too. She is the daughter of Dave Ramsey. I'm sure that you guys have heard of Dave Ramsey. He's helped so many people live their lives to the fullest by helping them get control of their finances and, you know, everything else. And Rachel is just, she's pretty amazing herself. So, oh, Mallory. We're actually <laughs> both sitting here. Um, holding our bellies. <laughs> in our third trimester of pregnancy. So if either of us seem a little out of breath or... If you get alarmed, it's just one of us has gone into labor, so don't. That's worry right. About the that. water <laughs> may the water may break. Who knows? So, um, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming out today and coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This of is course, so fun. Of course. The reason that I really uh, wanted to do a show with Rachel, I started diving into Rachel's content recently, and I love anyone that's helping anyone to live their lives to the fullest. Obviously, that's what this whole podcast is about, but. Something that a lot of people don't think about standing in the way of living your lives to the fullest is finances. Whether it's you don't want to talk about money at all, whether it's you have a mountain of debt, whether it's you don't have the same financial goals in your relationship with your spouse. I mean, it can truly, it can wreck your life, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. I just felt like this would be an amazing subject to talk about on today's podcast. So if we can kind of start with just that, Rachel, I, I just was kind of explaining to Rachel about just the Live Fully brand and everything that we kind of talk about in this community on this podcast. And Rachel and I both came from families who I feel like we were very lucky that people talked about money, talked about saving, talked about spending, budgeting, things like that. But that is not the norm. So if you could just tell me, you know, a little bit kind of about yourself and your upbringing kind of in this world of talking about money, of it being a part of your everyday life, growing up in the Ramsey household. (laughs) I know, right? It's kind of like assumed. Yeah. I always say, it's funny. I think people, when they like, oh, you're Dave Ramsey's daughter, they just assume my childhood was filled of like mutual funds, birthday parties (laughs) and like budget camps on the weekends and stuff. Yeah. But that was, that was not the case. Mom and dad though, they were, they were very intentional with teaching us how money works. I think a lot of that came out of their story and their pain. They filed for bankruptcy actually the year I was born. So yeah, I was born in April and they filed in September. And so, I mean, they truly hit financially the bottom of, right? Like the whole, it was like, okay, we have to do something different. And so out of that desperation, they were determined to have us kids not make the same mistakes that they made. And so that's kind of how even dad started his stuff was helping other people not get into this financial situation that he got himself into my mom. But yeah, growing up, you know, money was just 
such a normal part of conversation. And like you said, that is so rare. And so if you're listening, you're thinking, I never heard my parents talk about money. Well, you're, nor- you're in the normal bucket. I mean, really, people do not because there is a lot of shame. There's a lot of embarrassment. And even statistically speaking in America, 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 8%. Almost wow. 8 out of 10 Americans. And so like there's no savings. I think I think we have like a savings rate of 6% of Americans actually have savings in the bank. I mean, it's just... Wow. And so people are... They really are so stressed. And so for a lot of parents, you kind of have to look at your upbringing and think, okay, if we fell into that stat, money was a stressful part of my upbringing. So my parents didn't have the time, the bandwidth to teach us. So like that's where I give grace to a lot of parents is... They don't have the capacity to do this. Not saying that that's an excuse because I want every parent to help their kids learn about money, but that's what we find is the norm. And so, yeah, for us, I mean, we just learned really the basics. And I think that's the encouraging part of when you teach your kids about money, it gets so basic. Like we were never given an allowance as kids. We were always on commission. Commission. So so you you work, you get paid, you don't work, you don't get paid. And so from as long as I can remember, I remember thinking, okay, if you want money, you have to go work for it. So they taught you then the value of a dollar. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when you earn money, and we know this as adults, but it's true for kids, you spend it differently. Like you save it differently. You give it differently because you have skin in the game. And so, you know, those basic principles, again, were, were drilled in. And of course, like he's the get out of debt guy. So of course, teaching us how to live a life where you're debt free, you don't depend on debt. You don't get into debt. And so again, it's it's common sense almost, these principles. And so it doesn't have to be this, you know, you don't have to describe what a growth stock mutual fund is to your five-year-old, right? Yeah. But it's just these basic principles that, man, while they are such common sense, they're not common today. And it's hard to do because personal finance, it's 80% behavior. I it's only it 20% head knowledge. So like we can understand this stuff, but actually doing it, that's hard. It's hard work. And especially if you have bad money habits already in place to break those and to change the course. So, so yeah. So then I went to university of Tennessee when I graduated from high school and, and I just remember being in college and seeing my peers making bad financial decisions when they were signed up for credit cards. Some of them had student loans and like, and I were thinking, you know, I don't know a ton. Like at the time I was like, I'm 18. I don't know all this. I don't know all the answers, but I know enough that like, I could help them. Like if they wanted help, if they wanted to do something different. So that's kind of when I felt like my light bulb moment of my life came on where I really was like, wow, I could live my life helping people with this message that I was brought up in, but yet give such hope and such a hopeless subject to so many people. So that's what brings me here, Mallory, sitting at your table. (laughs) I love it. And I love it that you already are starting to talk about, you know, the behavior aspect of it and that, because that's really what I want to talk about here in the beginning. And I have a lot of different listeners. So I have the, the girl in high school. I have the girl in college that may be considering or taking out student loans. I have the newly married couple. And then I have the people that do have credit card debt or student loan debt, or I think the only good debt, right, you said to take on is your mortgage. Yeah, right? your mortgage is the yeah, one type I always debt. Hear you I won't say yell that. At, yeah, I won't mm-hmm. yell at you for the mortgage. So, <laughs> but you know, a lot of the listeners here probably have some form of debt. And a lot of times people don't want to think about it. They don't want to face it. And I talk a lot about that on this podcast because I think those things that you brush under the rug, that you turn your head away from, that you don't want to bring up, those things, if you face them, it can truly transform your life. Absolutely. It can truly change everything. When you shine a light on anything in your life that you're feeling like, oh, you're you're embarrassed by or ashamed by, it gives such freedom, yeah. such freedom. And you're never going to win in those areas of your life, whether it's your marriage, your parenting, your schooling, your money, 
whatever it is, like you're not going to win if you don't know where, where to start. And with people, that's a lot with their money. It's like, I don't want to look at the bills. I don't even want to look at the bank account. And so, you know, the, the ignorance is bliss thing doesn't work with money. Like you really do. And, and, and the encouraging thing is though, I think a lot of people in their minds with their finances, those that are completely avoidant, they haven't looked at stuff. It's usually not as bad as you think. I so agree with that. Yes. I love that you said that. Okay, yeah, because it's like this big scary monster. But once you get everything out on paper, just the control of having numbers yeah. visual in front of you and say, okay, here's the list of all of our debts. Here's our income. Here's what we spend every month. Like you start putting numbers to things. It becomes facts and not emotion. And then from there, it's like, okay, we can get control of this. We can do something with this. And so it's usually not as scary as and as bad as you think it is. I love Sometimes that. it is. <laughs> so it, yeah. I hope that's not the case. But, <laughs> but God, getting it all out there and creating a plan to change it. Because if you're, if you're not happy with where you are financially and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's the definition of insanity. Like you can't keep doing it over and over and expecting a different result. And so you have to get to the point where you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge this. I'm going to turn on the light in this dark area of my life. And let's see what it is. And you know, you talk about this too in a lot of your content. It affects everyone. So I always tell people, you know, think about yourself as a mother and like the example that you're setting or as a friend or as a, a daughter. And you talk a lot about, and I like your videos on, you know, maybe your parents weren't good at, at finances, but you can break the mold and you can make the change. And it really does like permeate your entire family and your relationships and everything if you don't grab the bull by the horns, so to right. speak. Yeah, and money really is usually the symptom of other problems. Yes, agreed. And I so, agree with that. So, you know, this, the, the overspending or the avoidance, whatever that problem is that you have with your money, there's usually deeper rooted issues. And so when you start to actually gain traction with your money, some of those unveil, and I believe you end up becoming just a healthier person overall yeah. because those issues kind of come to the surface and you say, okay, so why am I doing this? Yes. What is, and you ask yourself the why, it's powerful. It really is. Well, because it's truly, it's not, it's not about the money. I, I say this, I have been like flat broke before and I've done well. And I feel like when you get to the point where you feel comfortable, you're able to have a savings, there's not much of a difference between that and like a huge amount of excess or like to yes, me in my own yep, life. Yep. I feel like like once you can just get control of that, it frees your mind up. I love it when you say too, you know, debt and not being financially aware, it, it robs you of your contentment. It robs you of so much joy in other aspects of your life. And I, I so believe that. And this has actually been, you know, I'm always surprised when people request something like this, when people request this topic, but then I'm all I'm also like, yes, because we were just talking um, off podcast about how we both grew up, obviously, in a family where you talked about money. And I, I also had to budget when I was a child and everybody got to look at my budget and tell me and guide me in the right direction or the wrong direction. <laughs> so good, um, yeah. I was the oldest of like all of these cousins. We kind of had this family group that would come together quarterly and we really talked about this and whether it was philanthropy or budgeting on a small scale. You know, I we I might I might talk about budget here for a second because like budget, I used to hate that word and like when people would be like got to be on a budget. Like oh, it girl, just me felt too. so oh, like <laughs> this is life really like yes. it's just not fun and you really feel like it's going to strip you and rob you of your freedom. 
And I heard you say once, it doesn't. It like made you feel so much more free. Yes. Well, I'm a spender at heart. I, so yeah, you naturally cheers are, to that. Cheers to our waters. <laughs> cheers. We'll to do that. we'll do some champs <laughs> some, <laughs> once once we can. You're either kind of naturally a saver or spender, just how you're wired, your personality. But so for me, I've, I've always been a spender. Like even as a little kid, I like would have like 50 cents and like go in the grocery aisle and be like, okay, can I buy gum? Like I just like yeah. what, you know whatever it was. I'm like Same. I just I just enjoy. I yeah, I enjoy spending money. And I'm also more of a free spirit. So we always say with finances, you're either kind of a nerd, like you love the control, you have spreadsheets, you love seeing the bills, you have your organization in place, or you're more of a carefree spirit where you're like, listen, it's all going to work out. It's yeah. fine. And so yeah. I'm that. So I'm a yeah. spender and a free spirit. Yes. And so for so long, I did. I hated the word budget. I hated the idea of budgeting. I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so many numbers and so much organization and I have to keep up with like stuff. Like, oh my God. And I was like, and you can't have fun. Because every time I heard the word budget, it was like, oh, yeah, you can't buy that. It's not yeah. in the budget. Mm-hmm. Or we can't go on vacation. It's not in the budget. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, man, people on budgets are not fun people. They're like, not- <laughs> if that's your life, I'm like, I don't yeah. want to live that. I'm sorry. I want to enjoy it. But when Winston and I, we got married, we'll be married 10 years in December. Wow. So congratulations. We are, thank you. Awesome. We've been married a couple of months at that point. And I remember he was the one that was like, Rachel, we need to do a budget. And of course, growing up as wow. Dave Ramsey's kid, like I knew it in my head. Like, yes, we needed to. Good for him. But my heart was like, no, no. <laughs> I don't want, I really don't want to. <laughs> but the the first couple of months, it was kind of a disaster. We can talk about that in a second. If you've ever budgeted before, there's so much grace and it takes, uh, it takes a few months. It takes like 90 days for it to work, three months. And we were that story. And it was like, hey, by the fourth month, I remember it started working. And I can tell you now, after that being a habit in our marriage and in our life, the budget for me now, it gives me such freedom. It does not limit my freedom. It gives me freedom because I can go on jcrew.com when they have a sale and I have money in my clothing line item. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, of course I can buy that coat or I can buy that. That's fine. Like it's not a big deal because it's there. And there's such intentionality and such control over the spending where there's actually more freedom in it. And so when you get to a point that you say, okay, I have to be intentional with my money. I need to do better. The budget is where I tell everyone to start. When you start giving every single dollar a name and when you are purposeful and intentional with it, it's amazing. Not only do you feel like you got a raise, yeah. that's what a lot of people say. Oh, well, I actually feel like I have more money than I thought I would. But the control and the peace of mind of knowing, okay, everything that needs to be taken care of is taken care of. Never again will you be at the grocery store thinking, you know, or on ships or wherever you get your groceries thinking like, Oh, is this too much? Is this okay? Like, you just feel the answers are, yeah, the answers are all there. Yep. Such freedom. Yeah. You know, speaking of freedom, and you just said, so 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, you said. What is the percentage of Americans now that have some sort of debt? Oh, I think it was up in the 90s. 92% of Americans have have consumer debt. Really? Yep. Okay. So I I want to ask this question because I'm sure a lot of my listeners are whatever type of debt it is, whether it's $2,000 of debt or whether it's $200,000 of debt. Where is the first step? So say a person is listening to this podcast and they've been really inspired by the living fully message and they really want to start living their lives to the fullest. Something has struck a chord when they're listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't want to look at that. I didn't even think that that could be one of the reasons that I'm not living my life to the fullest. If you're a person with debt, no matter what kind of debt it is, where do you start to like dig out of that hole? Well, you first have to 
kind of get mad at your situation. Like I do talk to some people and they're like, I mean, yeah, I kind of sort of think I might want to kind of get out of debt. And I'm like, sorry, girl, it's probably not going to happen uh-huh. <laughs> because you can wonder <laughs> your way passionate. in. Yeah. You cannot wonder your way out. You have to be really sick and tired of being sick and tired where you get to a point in your life where you say, you know what? I'm so done living my life like this. Like I work too hard. I sit in too much traffic. I deal with a jerky boss to have nothing to show for my life. And so when you get to that point and you say, okay, I've had it, that's when you realize that debt is a thief. It not only steals your income from you. I love that. Yeah. It steals your peace of mind and it steals your sleep at night. And when you don't owe anyone anything, like if you do have debt, which I'm sure majority of you do, because again, that's so normal. Like if you could just imagine not having payments, like what could you do with your income if you you didn't have payments? And so the freedom that comes from it, but you have to get to that place personally and say, okay, I'm willing to take the challenge. And so the next step would be to get a thousand dollars and as an emergency fund. So save, start saving where you are because you want this baby emergency fund because when you start getting out of debt, if something happens and something probably will, that's life. Okay. You know, your, your tire is going to go flat. A kid's yeah. going to get sick. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going back into debt, charging it back on the credit card, you have savings in the bank. So wow, get that $1,000. what $1, an interesting $1. concept. <laughs> because Spending these people money, right, are yeah. like... What? Yeah, savings. But wouldn't you tell me to pay my debt off first? No, you tell I love that though. Yes. So get that small baby emergency fund and then start getting out of debt. So the most effective way to get out of debt is listing out all of your debt's smallest amount to largest amounts, regardless of the interest rate. So don't focus on the interest rate, which a lot of people say. Very interesting. Well, mathematically, you should, you know. But if we were doing math, we wouldn't be in debt in the first place. (laughs) So (laughs) So understanding that you have to get these quick wins. So even if it's a $200 Macy's credit card or whatever it is, whatever that smallest balance is, pay it off. Pay minimum payments on everything. So stay current. Then pay off that smallest debt first. And then once that's paid off, take everything you were paying on that, roll it over to the second smallest debt. Once that's paid off, you have the minimum payments of the smallest debt and the second smallest debt that you don't have anymore. All of that can roll over to the third smallest debt. So it's basically like your money starts picking up momentum. Well, at the same time, we always say to to be intense, like get an extra job, sell something, cut your lifestyle. And the average person doing this is getting completely out of debt in 18 to 24 months. And so it's not like an infomercial, like, oh yeah, with four easy payments, you can do this. It's, you know, it's, it's hard work and it sucks sometimes because everyone's going out to eat and you're saying, you know what? I'm not, I'm putting that money, that 50 bucks that I would have spent there, putting it towards my debt. Like, I mean, so it, it's sacrifice, but for a short amount of time. So that sacrifice is so short in the grand scheme of things. And then when you're out of debt and you have no payments, you have money again and you get to go out to eat. You get to, you get to give, you get to save, you get to do these things with money that you never were able to when you literally had to wait on the next paycheck to pay your bills. So you really have to change your behavior and your mindset first. So you have to, cause you know what I hear a lot of people say, that I know have a whole lot of debt. They're always like, I'm treating myself, I'm treating myself, I'm treating myself. They treat themselves all the time to really expensive things. I I see that in this realm a whole lot. I feel like that, I I always think to myself, because like debt is the scariest thing to me in the entire world. Like I avoid debt like the plague. I, I I was very fortunate enough to not have to take out student loans whenever I went through college and my car was paid for. So I I started out on the right foot, but I never accumulated, you know, much debt. And, but however, you know, coming into relationships, like Kyle was not as good at finances. He hadn't talked about finances as much. And, you know, a lot of kids, it's just not part of their vocabulary. He had a really big business that grew really fast and didn't have much guidance on 
what to do. And like a lot of people, you just get confused and then you just start kind of, you know, piling a little bit of debt on and then it just gets a little sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I forgot what even we were talking about as I went on that subject. Can I say this? I think you bring up a really good point though, is because our world and what we see, whether it's social media, whether it's our friend group, people we follow, the feeling that we have to keep up or that this standard of living that everyone else is living and I should be here, that mindset gets you into debt. Oh, heck yeah. keeps you in that cycle. And so you do have to break an emotional side of quitting the comparisons and saying, I'm putting the blinders on and this is my life. Because when everyone else starts putting pictures in your mind, literal pictures, even from social media, right? You start you know, you, you start to adapt to this fact that, okay, well, I should be having this. This is how my life should be. And there's a level of entitlement there that's very dangerous. And it's so easy then to justify, oh, well, I yeah. need a new purse or I need, oh, I deserve to get this or that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to treat myself here and there. And to really buckle down and, and it takes a level of maturity yeah. to say, you know what, I'm going to devise a plan and follow it. I'm not going to just do what feels good. Yeah. And yeah. with money, you really have to take out that emotional piece because when you start to feel like, oh, well, that, everyone else is just doing it. This, oh, this is so great. This is so cute. Then yeah, it's easy to be stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And so quitting the comparisons is a huge part of getting out of debt. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of like a time in my life, you know, I, I have a 15 month old child and after Colin, I got married even though I am from like a small town in Kentucky where everybody gets married and they buy a house. Or, you know, a lot of people here, you get married and you buy a house. Yes, We were not in the financial place that we needed to be to buy the house that we wanted to buy. So we decided to rent, which, you know, people say different things about renting, whatever. that's great. People are like, renters go to hell. It's, yeah, I know. terrible people. Flushing your money down yeah. the toilet. No, yeah, no. It's great. I'm glad <laughs> yeah, okay, you rented. Good, I'm so, good. No, renting is not bad. Um, <laughs> so, we, you know, we rented for a while until we could afford to buy this house. And I remember when I got pregnant, which was very shortly after I got married, I, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, like, how am I even going to do a nursery, like, in this place? Or the nursery's on the third floor. Like, how am I going to go up all these stairs? And is this safe? And, is you know, I tried to really justify needing a new house in my mind because I saw all of these people that had, they, they got married, then they bought a home, and then they had Did their the children in this and, home. Yeah. Yes. And I, so I can see that. You know, I, I can definitely see how you see those images of people. And you and I both know that, like, the image is not – it's 90%. It's not the reality. Oh, my gosh. It's the snapshot. I mean, I mean it's the snapshot. 100%. Oh, yeah. Everything's Photoshopped, not just bodies that, these days. I know, like they that's right. I know, everything. right? Yes. So it's just, yeah, not comparing your current reality to someone else's. I, I love that you talk about that. And and in terms of like money, it's it's really and truly like you've got to change that that behavior. Yes, and that absolutely. Mindset. Yeah, you're no, the Joneses are broke. So the idea the you're going to Joneses gonna, <laughs> are broke. The idea of keeping up with everyone on. around you. I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't yes. do it. Okay. So now that we're talking a little bit about like when you're starting out your life, I feel like a lot of my demographic is about 24 to 34, yeah. which is a lot of people, they're, they're getting married or they're having children. This is a very critical time, I feel like in people's lives where you're really starting to really lay money foundations. Either you're getting out of debt, you're learning how to talk to your spouse about money, you're starting to teach your children about money. Like I said, I talk about money a lot. It's not about the money. It is about the freedom that you have within your life when you face these things and when you learn these practices. If there's something that you feel like like that group, that age group, 
the the number one age group that's listening to this podcast, if they're getting into a relationship or if they're, you know, married, newly married, been married for five or 10 years or whatever, how do you start that conversation with a spouse or a loved one, regardless of what situation that spouse is in? Totally. Yeah, this is an important piece because especially in the marriage aspects, Money fights and money problems are one of the leading causes of divorce. I read that all the time. That's in America. Yeah. So it's like sex, in-laws, money. I mean, whatever, you know, it's always in that top three list. And so it is a, it's a huge deal. It's a really big deal. Because again, it's the ramification and the effect of deeper issues. So always remember that. But I would say start with the idea of saying, okay, we have to get on the same page. And so part of that is embracing the idea that opposites attract. So while I'm a spender, my husband, Winston, he's a saver. While I'm the free spirit, he's the nerd. Like, I mean, like, so for majority of couples, it's not always the case, but for majority of couples, they, you're so opposite. And that means you communicate differently. You see money differently. And even men and women function with money differently. Women's number one fear when it comes to money is the lack of security. So the idea of, okay, if something were to happen unexpectedly, are we going to be okay? Like, yeah. can we make the mortgage payment? What, just we, curious, what are men's? What's men's? It's number? always their fears, always around worth. Okay. So, am and I power able to? And- yes. Am I able to provide what I need to provide? Especially if you have kids, that that you know goes up very high for men. And so, facing these two and saying, okay, if you're not in a good spot financially, your man is probably not really feeling much like a man right now. He's stressed and he's freaked out. He may not be showing it, but he doesn't need like a barking chihuahua as a wife <laughs> around him, like rah, 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 you a know? barking chihuahua. So, <laughs> I love so it. you just need to realize emotionally where you both are at because there can be a lot of fear and a lot of shame yeah. in the marriage. And so, realizing those emotions, but realizing again that you can be so opposite, but yet. Neither one of the that spender or saver, nerd or free spirit, neither one is right or wrong. They're just different. And so I think to even just state your money personality with your spouse and say it out loud, because some couples, they don't talk about it at all. But just to say, like, I feel like you're the saver. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you're the spender. Okay, good. I'm glad that it's not around mm-hmm. the idea of, oh, you went to Target and you spent all this money <laughs> yes. again. Like, it's just stating the fact and say it out loud. Yeah. And then I always encourage people to go back to your spouse's story and have empathy. Look back on how they were raised. Were they raised? Yeah. And we've talked about this on this podcast already, but like truly were they raised in a home where communication was open or was it closed? Were they raised in an environment emotionally where money was a stressful subject or was it a subject that was free? Like talk about that because that shapes how they view money. And so I would say that, and then the move in, do a budget together. That's another step for budget. So embrace your differences. Opposites are going to attract, know your spouse's money story, understand their upbringing and then start budgeting together. Because when you can agree on where your money's going, you're agreeing on more than just money. Like you agree on your dreams. You're agreeing on your fears. You're agreeing on your goals, like where your life is going. And mon- in, in marriage, it's a team. Like you're both in it together. So, so stop working against each other and start working together. And the budget is what does that. And it says, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're spending our money. And that honestly eliminates so many money fights. Because again, it's all right here. And if you want to change something in the budget, you can. You're grownups. You're allowed to say, okay, we're going to agree to change something and you can. But you have to say, okay, this is what this is what the plan is. And even having that simple budget in front of you. I use Every Dollar. It's a budgeting app. It's all right there on your phone. Like sign up for that, do that and agree, okay, this is what we're spending. 
and and it's there. The plan and is And you there. can see each other's on It's that? all one budget. Okay. Yes. So you have the same login information to oh, choose wow. someone's email. And that's another thing as well. Well, that kind of helps like with the nagging, the barking chihuahua thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. so what did you spend today? Yes. You know, I like like taking that kind of off the table. And I love the aspect when you're describing this right now, because I always say that my husband and I, you know, we've been through a lot, but I can truly say like now we are a team. We feel like a real, a team and I feel like this, you're getting on the same team. Yes. You're saying, let's yes. play. Hey, let's play on the same team. Yes. Instead of against each other. I mean, you're, That's look right. at all the things that are going to happen in your life and in your children's lives and raising children, you know, like all these things that come up, you're dealing them with their issues and their problems. So it's like, man, if you can get this stuff figured out right when you get married, before you have children, if you're choosing oh, to have children, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. And then oh, yeah. you can be that family that's more open about talking about something like this and set your children up for a successful marriage and, and life. And yep, that's right. And there doesn't and have to be, and you don't have to have a ton of money to do this. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like there can be the freedom and control and you don't make a ton. Like, it's not like you have to be, you know, have all this money in the world to do this. Like, you can really truly say, okay, this is what, this is what the plan is. And, and this is what we're going to do together. And, and it, then the part of that is to your point though, combining the finances. Yes. Which I so, am a huge proponent of. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So this is what, cause I always try to think about the person that's listening to this. That's like, well, heck like my spouse, my husband, it's usually husband. Cause most of these listeners are women, but, or my wife, you know, whatever it is. They're not going to do this. Like, what if you approach this conversation, you feel really passionate about it, and you get strong-armed? I mean, do you have any tips on, like, how do you approach that? Yes. And this is hard. Getting the spouse on board on is tough. No, you can't. I mean, it's it's nearly impossible to win financially if you're not working from the same plan. Because, I mean, if you're the one trying to get out of debt, and then they go rack up $2,000 of credit card debt, it kind of negates the point, right? Yes. Like, you, you do. <laughs> you really have to work together as a team. So I tell a lot of women... Number one, bring in a third party. So whether that's the Dave Ramsey show or the Rachel Cruz show, the podcast, or if that's a book, whatever it is, bring in that third party voice because usually the spouse can hear it from someone else. Oh, absolutely. Easier than they can hear their own spouse. Uh And so I would say that. And and a third party could even be a marriage counselor. So don't be ashamed to the point that like- We're all about that. I I love some counseling (laughs) on all (laughs) subjects in life. But yeah, so like that, that, that third party could be huge. Number two, give them your why. Like, why do you want to do this? Is it because- you truly are, you're freaked out. You're stressed. You have fear, which is a very normal emotion again for women where it's like, I'm scared if something were to happen to one of our incomes, like we're not going to pay the bills. Like that, it terrifies me. And women, there is this sense of terror when it's not, when you're not financially stable, it is a scary place to be. Or is it because the kids, you know, you're saying, okay, I want our kids to live a better life. I want to be able to do things with our kids, you know, when they're teenagers in the next 10, 15 years that we won't be able to do if we continue the path we're doing. Like whatever, I want to go on a beach vacation every year. Like, I don't care what it is, but what it, what your why is, is important to understand that it's not just, I want to get on a budget to get on a budget and tell him, oh yeah, you got to sell your truck, you know, so we can get out of debt. Like he's not gonna get on board with that. So like understanding the why is big. And then number three, especially for men, show them the progress. So if it is getting out of debt, go ahead and lay out the numbers and just show him, hey, if we just put an extra hundred bucks a month, we could be out of this debt in three months. If we did this here, you know, the whole thing, we could be out of debt completely in 22 months or 30 months or whatever it is for you. 
But seeing the time frame and seeing the progress, a lot of guys then start to kind of track and say, okay, I can see it now. Again, when it's this cloudy idea and if you come to him, they're like, let's live on a budget, sell everything and not have fun. Because like, <laughs> I heard it on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's girl on the podcast, tell me I should get out of debt. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be like, no thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but really, again, visually seeing the progress is huge. So that third party, bringing, bringing them in again, whether it's one of us or a counselor, whatever it is. Number two, the why. And then number three, show them the progress. Okay. And then, okay, so I love that. You're speaking to that person. So now say this is the listener that's age 20 to to 24, 26, like either they're in college, they're already like in the middle of the student loan thing. They don't realize this mountain that is going to be student loans. And they think everybody has student loans, which a lot of people do. do. Yeah, totally. And student loans. I'm not saying that student loans are a bad thing, but... I will. But we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like, what do you say to this college student who's like spending out of control or just out of college that's like, well, I've got all these student loans, but they're not really a real thing. You know, what do you say to that person? And, you know, specifically, like if they're in their first job or if they're kind of bouncing from job to job, just kind of like making normal money, you know, what what do they do? Yes, that's a great question. Gosh, the student loan thing. I'm like, we could have a whole other podcast completely on student loans. I mean, it, it really is a topic that it's just gotten completely out of control. I mean, we could get into this so much, but I would just say, if you are someone that is in college or right out of college, you're going to be feeling the effects of that decision really soon. Because the hard thing with student loans is you don't start paying those bills six months after graduation. And you've been fed a lie. You really have. We've been told as a culture that, number one, you have to go to college to succeed. And and I'm all for higher education. I really am. I am too. But I love it that you said that because you not, do not have to go to no, college to succeed. but I'm succeed. just not for being stupid about mm-hmm. it. And so people... These students are told from their parents where their parents don't know, guidance counselors, I mean, people in their life that, oh yeah, you just go to whatever school you want to go to and major in whatever you want. And then they graduate. And they're the people that I talk to on the other side who say, God, I, I want to go be a missionary in a third world country, but I can't because I have student loan debt. I want to stay home with my kids, but I can't because I got this degree that I'm not even using four years ago. And, you know, I mean, like it just in debt in general, but especially with student loans, because gosh, it is a, it's a lie that we've been told as a generation that this is something that you just have to do. And it's the only way to go wow. to college. So, so that doesn't help you if you're in it already. Yeah. You're probably like, okay, great, right? It still but helps I have you it. with your children. I yeah. Mean, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Setting them up to amazing. live in this area. It's yeah. huge. But I would say, do not take Sally Mae as like your BFF or your extra roommate. And a lot of people keep their student loans around for 10 15 years because it is normal and you could just pay, you know, the minimum payment and it's fine. Everyone has it. It's just around when that's going to be your mindset. You're going to be in it forever. And so you have to get mad and know, okay, I am going to continue to live like a college student, even when I'm out of college, that even if I am making somewhat of an income, I'm going to make a huge dent and start paying this off. And I would say for the student that's in college, maybe you're a sophomore and you're looking and saying, okay, well, I was going to take two more years out of loans. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the uncomfortable and I'm all about the weird because I don't want to be normal. We've already yeah. stated like normal's <laughs> broke, broke and blend paycheck to paycheck. So I'm like, if that's normal, I don't want to be that. Uh-uh. And so to look ahead and say, okay, what do I want with my life? Like, are you in an out-of-state school that you can't afford? Because when you step over a state line, you're paying three times as much. Absolutely. And if you have the money or you have scholarships and grants, go for it. Like, I'm yeah. not mad at private colleges or out-of-state universities like do it if but you, if the you money. went because you like the football team. That's right. Yes. yes. Come on, watch them on TV. Do I, I know. 
it is, it is, it's like we've been bought into this line, like the college experience. And yes, you want to have fun in college and not like Debbie Downer, but you don't want it to cost you $90,000. And you for don't that want fun. it to control then the rest of your life. College is four years, five years, whatever. But if it's putting a cloud over your life when you're out there in the real world for 15 years, I mean, you got to think We know about this because we're out of it. But like how many people are still paying off their loans uh, into ever? their 30s? And, and I mean, and, and 75% it, of my friends, yes. I would say. And no one's excited about it. So you college students hear us 10 years ahead of you. Like no <laughs> one is like, yes, I'm so glad I went to that private college no one's ever heard of to get a degree that I'm not even using. Like <laughs> theater major, University <laughs> yeah. of the South. Yeah. yeah. No, so, what was your degree? Yeah. Communications. So okay. You did I good. actually, I actually am sort of using mine. <laughs> no, but, but we had to stay in state. That was Dave's mom and dad's. Uh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Though. We had to stay in state, yeah. pay in state tuition and graduate in four years. But all that to say, like no one's excited about their student loan after they graduate. If majority of people you talk to, it, they regret it. And they say, man, I wish someone had told me that I could go to community college for two years and transfer those credits to an in-state school or that I didn't have to get this prestigious degree because majority of small business owners don't really care where you went to school. Maybe they care that you went, but like they don't really care where. Like, I mean, so that's the reality that you have to face. And so maybe you make an uncomfortable decision and say, okay, you know what, for my last two years, I'm going to transfer. Like I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go back to- A radical decision. A radical decision, which is uncomfortable. It's weird. It's not normal. But again, if that's going to save you 20 grand in student loans when you graduate, the 24-year-old version of you is going to thank the 19-year-old version of you of making that decision. Absolutely. And you know, I always think of people going into relationships and, and meeting people. And I always think of... I always want people to be the best version of themselves and like a healthy mindset financially. They've dealt with the things they need to deal with. They, they feel good about themselves where they are in life. And that's when you meet the partner that you're going to be a dream team dynamic couple with. So I'm thinking too, say you're this woman that's graduated now and you've got however much, 20 to a hundred something thousand dollars of debt. Now it's one thing. Okay. Say, okay. Are you a doctor? Are you really passionate about that? Are you going to be a doctor? I mean, there are certain careers out there where you have to go to school for that long. And if your family can't afford it, you have to do that. And I know that that's where they can follow kind of your debt model and, and getting out of debt and have a plan. But I always think about those people and how, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like, you don't want that person to have the upper hand on you. You want to be even. You you don't want to come in there with with all of this debt and all of this burden and I just feel like it weighs on you even early in a relationship and you just, your worth. And like you were just saying about the shame that people have around money, it's really interesting. And I love it that like in our culture today, people talk about shame, like the word shame a lot, like Brene Brown, I feel like just brought that out blazing. And I love that because you've got to face those hard things and those, those t have those tough conversations. And this kind of goes back to the mindset of money, but like talking about the shame around it and the people that might be listening to this podcast that are like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that they're talking about this right now. You've put a name to it because like, I feel so ashamed of it. I don't want my friends to know. So I'm going to spend like my friends. I don't want my boyfriend or girlfriend to know. So I'm like not even talking to him about this, but you know, speak a little bit about that, like how having that shame and how internalizing that shame around money and having that fear can really like permeate your everyday life. I know we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but I really want to hit that home because I think that really relates to what this podcast is all about too. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would say your past does not define who you are in the present and it doesn't have to define your future. And so hear me say that 
everyone. I feel like I've been the tough BFF friend on the podcast so far. <laughs> so like, let me like give you a little bit of like, no, some encouragement because man, your money situation does not define who you are. Absolutely. You cannot put that on you. And we have all made mistakes with money. I've made mistakes with money. You've made mistakes with money. I mean, anyone you know has made mistakes with money. Some have made more expensive mistakes with more zeros on the end. But the deal is no one's perfect. And so you have to give yourself the permission to have grace and to say, you know what? I've made some mistakes, but you have to be able to be willing and have the courage to step in and say, I'm not going to let those define my future. I'm not going to let those to continue those bad habits define where I go because I can choose to do something different. And everyone has the power to change. You just have to decide. And I've, I've talked, Mallory, to people that you couldn't even imagine. I mean, people on you know, that make 50 grand a year and they have $200,000 in debt. And by the grace of God, hard work, working extra, all of it, like they get out. I mean, like where you look mathematically and you're like, that's a hopeless situation. But because they believed and they put in the hard work and the time, they did it. Like anyone, anyone can do this stuff, but you have to believe. But man, when hope is gone, that, 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 that robs you of life. And so you have to have hope again. That's even tactically why I talk about paying off the smallest step first. Because even if it's that $200 credit card, once you pay that off, there's a little bit of that shame that disappears and says, wow, I can actually make progress. Like I can do this. Like there really is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like this is possible. And so that hope for you is huge. And again, I've been in this, I've been doing this for almost a decade and I've seen every kind of story, every kind of income level, any kind of, every kind of debt level and these people, I love it. I'm like, they're the everyday heroes. Like, they're the ones you don't see on TV. They're not flashing all over I fancy social media. But, like, they're doing it. And you know what they're doing? They're changing their family tree. Yeah. That oh, those, I love that. Changing your family tree. Yeah. That their, kids, their kids are going to have a completely different life because of what they decided to do. Or their sister gets to have a different life because of what they're choosing to do. And she sees that example. And she chooses to do something different. Like, it just makes this ripple effect. But... It comes back to that you cannot let that pass, those past mistakes define you and keep you down. Like you have to have hope. And I believe that there's hope for anyone to do something different with your money. I love that. Wow, that really hits home. Like for me, I know that's going to hit home with a lot of listeners. And it reminds me of something because I adore your podcast. And I have a lot of people <laughs> Mallory, listening to this podcast. You. I feel like so like And I honor. just got to tell you, everybody listening to this has to listen to Rachel's podcast. It is so powerful. I remember the first episode that I listened to, it was that family that had, I don't even remember, $140,000 worth of debt. They had gotten married out of college and they sold their house and started renting. That was the most powerful story. Not even just like the finances and getting out of debt, and, but the whole like, I'm taking control of my life right now and making that radical change. And then they had those children and then their child had been in the hospital and they had like a $5,000 bill and they paid that off. I have chills just like talking about it, but man, are those podcasts powerful that you're doing. Really, I'm going to link that below. It kind of brings me to this other point because you're a mom. So she's she has two little girls. And then a, do, do people yes, know what you're yeah, having? Yeah, this yeah, third? Yeah. Okay, a little yeah, boy on the yeah. way. And I just can only imagine now you're in the third generation of this amazing legacy that you're leaving for these children that they're going to change the world. The choices that we make with our money can truly change the world and the people around us, especially in our own households. And like, that's something I strive for every day. But like, sometimes if people don't have the education that you have had or that I've had some of, they're like, what? They're listening to this podcast and they're like, 
wait, what? Lift up free? I got to go <laughs> talk to this thing? high school kid that's about to walk into my house. This boy about like money. He's going to look at me like, what's wrong with you, mom? Like, yeah. what did you see on Instagram? So I kind of want to, I'm all about leaving a legacy. And I love it that you talk a, a lot about that in your content too. And I think this is a huge part of leaving a legacy because like you just said, it's not all, it's not about the money. It's not about the numbers. It's about behaviors and it's about values. And it's about truly like leaving a legacy that aligns with living your life how, how you want to live it. You know, where do these moms start? Where do these parents start? You probably have to start with your spouse first, I'm assuming, and get on the same page. But what if this person is just like, my spouse just won't do it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. How do you then, how do you raise children who are confident with money, who feel like they can truly take on the world, who you're truly setting up for success? Yes, that's a great question. And it kind of goes back to what you talked to at the beginning, but it's true. It does not have to be rocket scientists. Uh, rocket scientists. Hey, I'll have you edit that. <laughs> rocket scientists. Science. <laughs> It's kind of what we talked about at the beginning, but it does not have to be rocket science. Like it can be such a simple form. I mean, something as small as doing chores, starting there, teaching them to work, have a chore chart on the refrigerator and they do four chores a week. You pay them X amount and that's how they make money. I mean, starting there. And then I always tell parents with especially little kids, get three envelopes and mark them give, save and spend. Awesome. And when that. they earn the that's money, what we did when we were little. Put, mm -hmm. Yes. Put some first in, in giving which is a huge topic. We haven't even touched on giving, but, mm -hmm. but especially for kids. Oh my gosh. When you can start to teach your kids to live with an open hand and give, giving changes everything. Giving changes your outlook in life. It changes your relationships. I mean, it permeates so much I of who you are. And we are, we are raising kids in a very selfish world. Yes. I mean, it's all about me and me, how do me, I me. feel? How do I look? I mean, there's even like cameras on the front of our phones for us yeah. to like look at ourselves. Like, I mean, it is so <laughs> me focused. And when you teach them to give first, it moves them on the spectrum of being selfish to selfless. And selfless people, they have joy. Selfless people have better relationships. Selfless people, they have a more successful life because they understand the principle that other people are just as important or even more important than they are. And when you, and you meet people like that, right? You meet selfless people who are givers and you're like, oh, I just want to be around you. Like, you know, you feel it off people versus we've all had friends or people that we've done meals <laughs> yeah. with that are selfish. And you're like, kind of want to take a shower after yeah. hanging out with you. It's like, oh, you're just so gross. Like, you know, we all feel that. And so to raise your kids with that selfless mentality early on and making that a priority and then saving, and so teaching them to have, even if it's a small goal of a Barbie, or maybe it, maybe they're a teenager, and maybe it's, hey, you're going to pay for half your car when you're 16, and that's your goal. Whatever that goal is, have them work for something, because when they learn savings, they're learning, learning patience, they're learning delayed gratification, which we are an instant gratification world, and, and you're teaching them, I mean, it's kind of a miniature form of goal setting of like, hey, you can do this. This seems really big, but, but even when a five-year-old takes $3 to Target and buys a little ball or whatever and goes up to the cash register and gives that money over. I mean, they feel it like even as a little kid. And so have them save towards something and then also have them spend, let them enjoy the money. Yeah. And with spending, they may make some mistakes. They may spend something on something frivolous and it breaks or, you know, whatever it is, but that's good. Yeah. Because you want them to make small, inexpensive mistakes under your roof 
versus the first time they're handling money, they're out in the real world and they make really large That's financial such mistakes. A good point. That's such a good point. And you talk a lot. I want you guys to to watch the Rachel Cruz show and to check out her podcast because you go in depth about so many things that we didn't have a chance to talk about today, like credit cards and how credit cards are kind of a no-no to you. And, you know, all of these different things, you go much more in debt about student loans and about making these radical decisions in your family. I mean, you I've listened to so much of your content that I just, you know, I there's something for everyone I know. And then your books too. So you're, I just want to touch on, on that because that's kind of one of the early things that you did in your career, right? You wrote that book with your dad? Yes. Smart Money, Smart Kids. So kind of everything. 14. We, okay. So I guess that wasn't the beginning of your career. But yeah, sort of. Number yeah, one New York things. Times bestseller. Well, wow. it didn't help that Dave was, <laughs> Dave's name was on the matter. title too. Your let's name just, was on it too. Let's just, let's just be, <laughs> let's just say, let's just state the obvious there, Mallory. Um, yeah. So Smart Money, Smart Kids. So that's everything about teaching kids about money, everything we kind of just yeah. touched on and more. And then Love Your Life, Not Theirs was my, my last I book. I love that title. And yeah. yeah, just about the comparison living that we're in and how to do the things we talked about. How do you have good, healthy money habits to live the life you want from budgeting, saving, investing, getting out of debt, all of that. And then I'm currently working on my new one. So it'll launch not for like another year and a half. So I'm like turning a manuscript really early because of baby boy. Okay. So yes. before maternity leave, I was like, I want it done. Have another baby. I want to just, yes. What's the subject of the one that you're writing now? Can you say it? I'll give a little hint. Okay. <laughs> if I you can't, we can cut it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really digging into understanding why do we handle money the way we do? So our motivations behind it. And we touched a little bit on it in here, but everything from your upbringing to your fears, to your dreams, to your tendencies. Okay. And so when you can understand why you handle money the way you do, you can really use that to like catapult you forward in your money journey. Because when you know your tendencies, you know the mistakes you could easily fall into, but you also know your strengths and how to, to really hone in on those to help you get out of debt and budget and do all those things. Awesome. Okay. So if there was like one final statement that you could say to someone listening to this podcast, just about money, about finances and how it just relates to life and living your life to the fullest, I might be putting you on the spot, but like, what would that be? Yeah. Closing. I do want to end with, with what we talked about a little earlier, but just the hope of no matter where you are, that if you are one of the ones living paycheck to paycheck, if you don't have savings, if you are in debt, no matter where you are, that there really is hope. There is something that you can do today to completely change the way you handle money. And you have to learn how to control your money or your money's always going to control you. And in order to create a life you love, you want to control it. You want to be in, in charge of it. And that includes your money as well. Amazing. Oh, this is a good <laughs> podcast. This was a great podcast. I knew it was going to be. But I'm going to link everything Rachel Cruz in the show notes, you guys have to check out her podcast and subscribe to her podcast. So it's the Rachel Cruz. What's your podcast called? Again? Yeah, the Rachel Cruz Show. The Rachel yes. Cruz Show. Yeah. Okay. So the Rachel Cruz Show, and then you know she's got amazing content on her website and all kinds of tools, like from like a budget spreadsheet I was looking at and yeah. a bunch of different things yes. and amazing Lots of stuff tools. There. So everything Rachel Cruz, you guys just need to dive into, no matter where you are on this journey. And I just love this because I think so many people are going to be really, they're just really going to elevate their journey of like living their lives to the fullest with this type it. of content. Well, thanks for having me on. Oh man, thank you so much you, so I so appreciate it. It's thank really an, so honor, much an honor to be with you. Well, thank, thank you, Mallory. Thank you so much to Rachel Cruz. And thank you guys so much for listening. Tune back in next Monday for more. 
Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.